You're listening to On Human Rights, where we bring you interviews with experts and others from around the world on issues concerning human rights and humanitarian law. We're broadcasting from the Raoul Wallenberg Institute of Human Rights and International Humanitarian Law in Lund, Sweden. I'm Gabriel Stein. We recently commemorated the civil courage and memory of Raoul Wallenberg here in Lund. And as part of that commemoration, we invited two women from a small town in southern Sweden to speak about the work they're doing to help young asylum seekers where they live. So we recorded this live session with Marie Clarias and Pernilla Thelmark. We hope you enjoy and are touched by it. Just a warning, some of the questions from the audience might be difficult to hear. Enjoy. My name is Gabriel Stein. I'm the head of communications at the Raoul Wallaberg Institute, and it's my pleasure to introduce Marie and uh, Pernilla. Um, thank you for coming again. Um, this is a picture of you and your family, um, Pernilla, um, with Piros, um, who you've taken into your home. And Marie, this is you and your mother, um, and she has taken in Ramatula, but you've both been responsible for taking care of him if we understand right. And we're going to get into how this all came about and how you became involved. But first, I was thinking it would be good to give everyone a sense of the place um, where we're talking about, um, where you're living. Um, Pernilla, can you describe Vellinger Kommune and also the neighborhood? And I'll put this on, I'll put this on the map. Vellinger um, is a quite small municipality in the very southwest of our country. It's situated around oh. 20... <laughs> Good. minutes uh, south from Malmö. And it's um, known as an attractive place to live in, I would say. It's situated close to the sea, so you have fantastic beaches, beautiful nature, and it's um, also attractive since there are good schools in the municipality, good health care, and a prospering uh, business climate. So it's in very many ways a good place to live in. And um, and it attracts mostly upper middle class, I would say. It's quite expensive to live in Vellinger, so. And the image or the reputation of Vellinger is that it's only rich people live there and that we don't like immigrants in Vellinger. And that I think the reputation is that that is also the public opinion in Vellinger, which is, I would say, not true. But if you look at the municipality and you look at the, the politics, it's very much to the right. Uh, the moderate party, I don't know how to translate that, but it has its own majority since very many years. Uh, and for many years, Welling has said no to accepting immigrants in the municipality, even though there was a big need, has been a big need in the country. <coughs> They have kept saying, no, we don't want to, um, to accept a certain amount of immigrants in, in the community. So that was in 2015, with a big immigration stream coming to, well, most of all Malmö and Trelleborg. Um, I think they just couldn't say no anymore. And then there was a law in 2016 saying that every Swedish municipality has to accept a certain amount of, of immigrants. So... That's when Vellinger also had to open up and had to um, accept an amount of immigrants, and, and especially then um, children or unaccompanied minors. And so this is around the time when, when there's over 100,000 refugees and asylum seekers <coughs> coming to Sweden, when you both uh, get involved 
Marie, can you tell us kind of how you got pulled in? Uh, yes, that was in the uh, autumn in 2015 when everyone is, uh, were coming to Sweden uh, to Trelleborg and to Malmö. And Vellinge is just in between. Um, there was a lot, and we were not prepared. No one was prepared in Sweden. So many people. And um, for, for some reason, I went to a meeting where Trelleborg wanted to borrow a um, school uh, a gymnastic hall because uh, they needed uh, shelter for, for, uh, for the people who came. Uh, just for a couple of days, a couple of nights, so they could have roof over the head, uh, food, and then uh, being out in, into the other parts of, of Sweden. Uh, it was um, uh, a terrible, terrible meeting with a lot of negative persons. Uh, and this was just about uh, a couple of days. Uh, but anyway, uh, Turleboy borrowed this uh, hall from, from Billing and um, uh, I thought, hey, what, what can I do? What can I do for those people, for Teleboy or whatever? So I contacted Teleboy and said, uh, can I be to any use? Uh, of course you can. So then I started. For six months, I was around working at those uh, transit places, the first places where you end up, and mainly with, with uh, young boys coming alone. Uh, so I went to, I think it was six or seven different places, and that was terrible as well. Uh, they were just lying in their beds and uh, traumatized. And um, uh, So that was really a, a scary journey to do. Uh, and after that, I, I went to Willingen and asked, can I do something? Uh, and they said, yes, you can become a... Good man, good man, what do you say? That's taking care say. of something. Custodian. A guardian. A guardian. A guardian. Okay. Uh, so mm. I raised my hand and said, yes, I, I would do that. Uh, can, I, can I just ask, what, uh, um, what made you go to the meeting in the first place, the original meeting, the city hall? I, I wanted to know, really. In fact, you, you read, there's uh, reputations, there's uh, rumors, uh, uh, saying if you say it's like that and it's negative, and I thought that now I want to know, uh, I want to see, and I want to hear what's going on, not only hear from others that heard from someone who heard something from someone else. <laughs> mm. uh, it's uh, it's a typical way of uh, getting the um, not the facts right. Mm. So I went. I wanted to know, wanted to see, wanted to listen. That's why I went to this to this meeting. And, and you were going to the transit centers after work, or how, how were you fitting that into your... Yeah, well, I, I have my own company, so mm. at, at that time, I actually didn't have that much to do in the company. Okay. <laughs> so I thought, that, what can I do? Well, let's uh, travel around and, and help mm. instead. So that is what I did for, for just about six months. Uh, but then, um, they were closing down those transit places uh, and I thought that okay now I've, I've done and, and sometimes was quite scary as well so I thought that okay um, but that, that was I, I thought six months that was, that was enough mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get back to that in a second um, and and can you tell us Brunella how did you get involved well, at that time, 2015, I think many people in Sweden were thinking, what, what can I do? 
And at that time, I um, and my husband as well, we, we passed the central station in Malmö when we went to, to our jobs. Uh, so we started talking about what can we do else than, you know, making coffee and bringing food uh, in the morning uh, to the people coming to the central station. And I contacted the Vellinge, uh, uh, the municipality, and asked. Um, and they said, well, we have so many people have contacted us. That's fantastic. That they, they want to help. So, no, we don't need any of your help right now. <laughs> so then instead, I, I uh, knew that that was something I could do, of course. So I contacted different organizations, and we started out as helping out with um, schoolwork um, one, once a week. And we did that as a family. And this is in the municipality? This is in the munici- yes. Okay. This so is this is for um, asylum-seeking yes. children who are already in the community? Yes. Okay. Mm. So um, we did that as a family, because um, we, we also wanted to do something together. I mean, we struggle, as everyone else, with uh, finding time to do things and finding time to do things with your family. So we thought this is a perfect way to do something together with the family and at the same time something that's important. Or, and that became the highlight of the week. You know, every time we went there and met those boys, because they were all only boys at this place, uh, around 10 of them living there and we helped out with homework my daughters are almost the same age as, as them and they also thought that was it was so you know such good meetings even though we couldn't there was lang- there was language problems there were no communication problems because we could you know we met and that's what I think you said in the beginning about the individual once you meet and see the individual behind a group of immigrants or um, people living in Vellinge or <laughs> whatever group you think about, when you meet the individual, when you get connected, when you make relations, that's when it happens. That's when you get engaged and that's when you you know, understand and have all these good meetings and good talks and you learn a lot from each other. So that's where we started. And then the next step was easy to get more involved. And so can you... Yeah, what so happened then, at that stage? Then I met a very enthusiastic uh, person in the uh, in Bellinger, sitting over there, Michael Kinning, working uh, uh, with the Red Cross, and he started a project where everyone coming to every one coming to uh, the municipality of Bellinger should have a mentor, someone in the community who already lived there. You could. You know, do do things together to get integrated, to to feel you know that you have a network. There's someone you you can ask about things. Um, so we joined that, and um, Piros uh, was our. We were his mentor, and we connected with Piros. And then he, after a while, he turned 18. And when you turn 18, you cannot no longer stay in the municipality of Valinia. Now, these, when they turn 18, and we can talk about the age question because mm. this is extremely controversial uh, in Sweden, but uh, what we're talking about is they're staying in homes that the municipality has set up, yes. right? Mm. So um, in Valinia, and, and Valinia is not alone, I understand. This happens in, in other municipalities as well. Mm. When you turn um, 18, <coughs> you have to leave that housing. Yes. Okay. Mm. Yeah, if you're still in the uh, asylum process, if you don't you're have your residence yeah, right mm. card, mm. and and the, okay, mm. sorry, continue, please. 
So when you turn 18, yeah. if you're not a resident mm. in Sweden, you you have to leave the the municipality, okay. and and you have to leave school, friends, everything you started up, mm-hmm. network, everything you know. And he was in that situation, mm-hmm. and we saw that. I mean, for him, that was terrible, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we decided to open up our home to say that you could come and stay live in our house, so you, so that he can still be in school and. Uh, having friends, having his friends, and you know, continue the life he started to live. Hmm. That's how it started. We'll, we'll get back to that, uh, Prinilla, um, um I mean, Marie. Apologize. Um, um, so tell us, you basically convinced your mother to, <laughs> but then also helped uh, as well. But um, so, so what was? Uh, tell us about that. What what was going through your mind, and and how did that happen? Uh, well, I was a, a guardian for Ramatulla uh, f- for a while, and then he turned 18, and that was the same. We were sitting at the immigration ag- agency, and uh, they said that we decided you're 18, and uh, you're not. You, you, he did get uh, the the uh, asylum process. Um, okay, so you have to move now, and. Uh, Everything that went to my from my mind that what we're sitting here and you force him to go home because uh, Falstabu in Vellinge was his home and pack your bags and leave immediately. That was a Friday night. Uh, that was not very nice. I, I went with him and of course he was uh, totally devastated and he didn't understand what was going on. Um, but they forced him to Malmö, to a place where they put those uh, kids until they decide where to, to um, put them. Uh, on Monday, they, they called me and said, we're going to put Ramatulla in Ystad. And Ystad is uh, quite far away. And I said, Ystad, so what, how is he going to get there? Well, we gave him a ticket. It's a 24-hour valid, so I'm sure he's going to find his way. All right, no, I don't think so. I'm coming in and uh, taking him there. So I went to Malmö, put him in the car with his few bags, went to Ista, and I tell you, that was really a rat hole where they was putting him. That was terrible. I was crying the whole way home. I called my mother and said, this is, this is terrible. And she said, enough is enough. Take him to my place. And Mark, she hadn't met Ramatula even once and she said this is this is not good I've been thinking what I can do but now I know so take him home I have a guest room let him stay there so that was fantastic picking him up and, and uh, putting him put those two together and now they are really uh, <laughs> like mother and kid and he's 18 and he's I told him the time he should be home and he said yeah yeah Time is not so uh, so important. No. <laughs> so they have really been a, a great match. So um, uh, and my mother says, I would not think about today that he has to move or want to move. He has to stay here. <laughs> and and when he came back in, when both of them now are, are in your houses, uh, they were enrolled in school again and could continue. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all the while the asylum process is continuing. Yeah. As this happens, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, before we get into that, I'm just curious if you could talk a bit about um, what the response has been 
um, from friends and, and neighbors um, in, in yeah. your area? I, I can honestly say that I didn't talk much about it in the beginning because I didn't know who's a friend and who's not. Yeah. And uh, there's quite a few friends that are really negative. Uh, but during this time, uh, I, I was introduced to uh, um, closed Facebook groups that we have quite a lot of. Uh, one is where, where you kind of were you a part as well, and it's uh, um, which one is it? Uh, <laughs> we do what the we one can in Lillingen, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> exactly, and then you realize that. Yes, a lot of people actually uh, put in so much effort into uh, doing something to make a difference. So it's more and more. So the goodwill is really turning. And I say again, Mika, he's really our engine. Uh, putting and saying, as, as long as you do something, you do, you do good. Uh, and then I know there's a lot of people spending hours and hours every week uh, so uh, I just think I'm sitting here talking about here I, I'm just doing a little bit but uh, the thing is that I realise there's so many positive people as well so it's for me I've, I've seen uh, and now I, I'm, I'm quite proud and I can say I've done this what have you done mm. and um, yeah. But was it a, was it a concern? How how friends and and neighbors were going to? No, I I wasn't concerned. No. But um, yes, I I mean, in the beginning, I was a bit concerned how they would react to Piros living mm. in our home. Yes, that was a concern how they would meet him and how they would uh, react when they met him. But uh, <coughs> people are curious. Most of it, most of all, they ask, "Oh, how's oh wow." Tell me, how is that? How can you communicate? Oh, isn't there such big cultural walls and problems? <laughs> That's the first thing people ask. And I think it's good that people are curious. It's good that they ask questions. But many, I mean, most of my friends are very positive and very curious about it. And I think many of them also maybe thought, well, maybe it's not that hard. Maybe it's something we could do as well. At least... It's it slipped their mind, I think, when you know when you see someone you know, and you see this is possible. Mm. This is not such a big step as you may think mm. it is. And and in the time in the time that you've been active, has the municipality changed um, any of their stances or suggested that things no. will change? No, we're still hoping, still mm. struggling, <laughs> aren't we? <laughs> Uh, but no, unfortunately, it's still uh, the same way that when you turn 18, you have to leave Bellinga, uh, the municipality. And um, we're struggling, and, uh, and now when there's also um, money that you can get from, from the government, there's a new um, idea that you will be able to get money so that each municipality actually can make a decision mm. that we will keep mm. um, those mm. who turn 18 and are under an asylum process in the municipality during that time. But still, in Wellingen, they still say no. Mm. And Mary, you, so you both you have separate um, cases now when it comes to what's going to happen um, with... Um, yeah, talk about Ramatullah and, and, and what's happening there with his asylum process now. 
Yeah, well, he, he got uh, uh, 13 months to stay, so he's uh, have a permit until March next year. And then we don't know what's going to happen or what we should do at all. So, uh, yeah, well, we try. Where is he from? Uh, Afghanistan. Mm. They both are peers as well, mm. different places. Yeah. Um, yeah, we should have said that in the beginning. That reminds me of another thing that we had discussed, mm-hmm. which was that um, I was curious, um, I had asked you about how they um, had said they had gotten to Sweden. Um, and you were saying that they, um, at least Piros, didn't really know. Is that right? How he had the route that he had taken. No, uh, Piros is from uh, the north of Afghanistan, from a small village uh, in the mountains, and he's never gone to school, never ever. So he's illiterate, and and that is quite interesting to meet someone. I mean, our society is based on that you are able to read uh, and that you communicate and think in that way and memorize things that way. But um, he has never seen a map. So when you ask him about his trip to from Afghanistan to Sweden, he has no idea which countries he's been in. He knows some of them because he's someone told him, but he's not sure. And and so your situation is a bit more difficult now with Piros. Yes, it is because unfortunately he uh, got uh, his rejection from the migration uh, agency uh, a month ago. Mm. So um, that is what we're dealing with right now, mm. that situation, yeah. which is something I had. When we decided to open up our home, we never even thought about that, which is thought here and now. This is what's happening. There's someone who should definitely be able to stay here right now, and, and, and we have this possibility to, to take him into our home, but we never thought what would happen later on and what we're in right now because now we're facing maybe losing a dear family member Mm. and that's that's Mm. difficult Mm. really difficult and so the uh, migration board has appointed you a lawyer um, yes and so you'll be appealing yes Mm. that's what we're in right now okay Mm. so we're hoping yeah and when will you hear do you yeah. Uh, next week we have to um, close the, or I don't know, put the paper in, mm-hmm. the appealing, and then we have to wait again mm-hmm. and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I think it's a good time to open up for some questions. Mm-hmm. Um, please. You could stand up if you would like. choose to leave our countries 
one or another. And everyone here, um, at least the majority, have no plan B. So we don't have a choice. But since we are here, we have to do something. And we want you to know that we are not here to add troubles to your country or to be the dark spot in your society. We are here to add colors, actually, to this society, to build it for a better future for ourselves and for you and for our, for our children together. We are just trying to build up our already damaged life, to start up our new hope here in a new way. And you can't imagine how difficult this is. Uh, I just want to say that we are the same like you. Yes, we are different. We have different colors, different languages, different cultures, but we share the humanity. And from this point, we all can, can start and to find somewhere a sharing point to start from, to live together peacefully, to build the future to be the best place for us both. We are already grateful for, for your host, of course, uh, which for sorry we didn't find in another country of ours. But uh, if you can see that me and my friends here, every one of us representing an NGO, uh, which we have built in our own just to start to prove to you that we want to do something and we, we can make a change. We are educated, we are talented, we are active and we want to do something but we just need a chance. My message to you is just don't be afraid of us. We are the same. Yeah, this um, this this group. Um, I wonder, if, is Emily here? No, Gabriella. No. Um, this this week we have uh, an inclusion academy. Uh, it's the first week of the inclusion academy that that we're launching. Um, and so um, you there uh, for the rest of the week will be here, and then I think you'll be coming back in October as well. And you're from Denmark, Sweden, and Finland. Uh, and we're talking about how you can build up uh, your organizations and and use the resources that you already have and uh, to work on and uh, expand your capabilities to protect and help um, where you are. Um, so that's what's happening this week. Please. Uh, I'm Ty. I'm actually an immigrant who lives in Bolivia as well. Uh, oh, so, thanks. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, my question is about Pedros. Um, uh, on the shoot, uh, would you get to explain what the basis of the, of the initial rejection for his application uh, for for asylum and refugee status here in Sweden? Um, I'm, I'm guessing uh, he might be Hazari. He's from the north there. Is he from the Hazari tribe in Afghanistan? No, he's no. an Uzbek. Uzbek. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, is, was that? something to do with the basis for the rejection that you come from the north or was there another reason that no, you know, um, it's, it's mostly um, when you're 18 it's really difficult to to um, be uh, to get um, 
a yes, so to say. Uh, he's 18. He has it's very difficult for for him to speak and to tell detailed stories. So they think his story is not detailed enough, uh, and uh, that's why they said that we think you could live in uh, Masar al Sharif. Go back and live as an intern in Masar al Sharif. <coughs> It's about the story, if they believe your story, if they think the story is credible or not. Yes, my name is Fawaz, I'm coming from Denmark and I'm part of a group, well now grassroots organizations called Bindi Born, Friendly Neighbors. I'm just, uh, I, I just wanted to thank you and I'm, I will tell you, maybe some of Danish people know what uh, in th- 2015 happened and some of sweet ladies like you try to help some immigrants on the highway to come to Sweden. And they, one of the ladies get, get a fine with uh, 20,000 crowns actually. So uh, as a protest uh, against the, the decision or something, we made an, a collection. And instead of raising up 20,000 crowns, we raised 200 50,000 crowns. And this money went to these minor, minor, uh, unconfined minor refugees to fund the reunification because the government had decided to not uh, fund their uh, families to come to Denmark. And now we made the third uh, collection for these minors and we raised more than 600,000 crowns. Mm-hmm. And the other collection with it will be with literatures in Denmark, and now we have around sixty literatures <coughs> will offering their artwork for these minor refugees. So you are not alone. We are struggling, but we are doing good. Yeah. Fantastic. And that's something I would like to say, if that's okay, that when you talk about the reputation of Vellinga, where you think, m- many people think, when you say that you come from Vellinga, aha, yeah, that's where you don't like immigrants and, you're, and, and that's the public opinion in Vellinga. It's not. That's what people think. Because there are so many people wanting to do things and there's so much power in civil society. Uh, and... Vellinga should be at the forefront because they have all the possibilities to do fantastic work with immigrants and integration. So many people wanting to help, so many people having the means to help. So there's so much power in what you're all saying in civil society. Absolutely. When it comes to Ramatula, he's really, he's so, must go to school and he's up every morning and he's so intense, so eager to learn. And uh, they have quite a lot of friends as well. 
Uh, maybe not so many Swedish as uh, they would like, uh, but still they, they know each other, uh, the boys, so they... Uh, I think he loves it here. Ramatullah really loves it, and he's going to become a policeman. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there is uh, a problem with um, not, them not having so many Swedish friends. Uh, they like school; they go to school, but they go to school with other yeah, <laughs> immigrants friends, in the same, yeah. you know, the same position as they are, uh, and they they are longing for, you know, being together with other Swedish youngsters and, and having friends. Which is not well. Some of them, yes, you play football. You may meet someone there, but um, we could do more things. There, there could be other. Uh, I think uh, there more. There's more to do. Have Have they faced any problems in school? Any discrimination or incidents? No, I, don't no, think I, don't I haven't said anything about no. it. No, no. But it is in mm-hmm. public school that they... Yeah, yeah it is. So they're so they mm-hmm. integrated with the, the, the Swedish... So in principle, uh, they could yeah. meet. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. they meet uh, yeah. at the schoolyard every day. Mm. Uh, but of course, this uh, would be a kind of cluster with uh, the immigrants and the Swedes. Mm. But they mm. see each other and they say hi. And, and That's and why it's... Uh, I mean, network, that networking is always mm. important and for mm. them as well. So, of course, being part of a family... Is easier because you get to meet our friends and uh, our relatives, and it's it's easier to be, you know, to get into the, the society, not only be a group. Please, I don't want to question Benning's uh, willingness to help, but when you say that your opinion is more in public opinion, I mean, what, what we're talking about fifty, fifty. But because Vanning, uh, I just saw on television, is the first uh, commune in Sweden uh, outlawing uh, begging. Yes. And that, that doesn't sound very promising no. when it comes to uh, their attitude towards, I think, a place... I've never been to Vanning, I've just heard about mm-hmm. it, but I can see it in front of me. Mm-hmm. And they don't want any refugees, and they don't want... And they mm-hmm. represent a lot of the Swedes. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. not as good... I don't think it's as good as you want to portray it. No, I just think, you know, there's a problem behind it that you say, you think, there's always, every city got their reputation, I think. Yeah. And Vellinger, yeah, they have a reputation and there is a reason for that, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I agree, there is a reason, because for so many years that is the politics. That, so there is a reason. But when they say it's the public opinion in Vellinger, and that's not what I meet every day, and that's not what not what we meet. When there's so many people wanting to do, you know, a difference, wanting to make a difference. But of course, yeah, it, it, it exists. But um, there's always um, there's always a problem when you you know start telling this is the public opinion. When I'm not so sure it is. In my world, it's not. Well, I, true. Belling is a very divided. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine. But public opinion, I mean, it should be at least 50% mm. more than the public opinion is for something. Maybe it's like 30 30, and then there's four in the middle who have no opinion. We'll so see next election. Yeah. It's coming up. You know, we've faced a lot of new, a new situation in Bellingham. But yes, I. I I thought that was coming up. With a, I also read that about the 
for, to forbid begging, and that's why I said I, I think Vladimir should be in the, at the forefront of something else than banning begging. It's not something we're proud of. No, not not at all. Yeah. Or. Uh, hi, my name is Yvette Arroyo, and I am coordinator of a project not in Berlingen, but in Lund. And the project is called Flicting Lund. And uh, it's a very special project because it's uh, first it's a project from the Catholic Church, but it's not a religious project. And uh, we work Catholics, Muslims, uh, other Christians, and non religious pe religious people together. And we try to do activities to help the refugees to integrate in the Swedish society. So um, my question to you, for you, because I don't know, I have never been to Bellingen. <laughs> I, 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 we also have um, uh, problems in getting no, more volunteers, more Swedish volunteers. International people, we have a lot. <laughs> Volunteering, really. Mm -hmm. uh, so my question is, is it uh, possible maybe in Bellingen uh, have some, the Swedish charge maybe helping together the people that want to help the refugees. Is, is there some uh, action going on maybe in Berlin? You, you mean with um, in people the Swedish who are church. working with the refugees? Oh, in the Swedish church. Yeah, uh, Swedish church. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Um, um, yeah. I, I, I don't know exactly. I'm sure, sure they do a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. The, the problem yeah. we have in Lund is that when people, it's the same situation. Lots of people have called the municipality. They want people want Swedish people want to help, but the municipality say, "Oh, well, uh, we cannot, uh, you know, yeah. they cannot handle." Mm. So now what they have done here in Lund is they have built some sort of um, uh, so, uh, what do you call it collaboration with yeah. the <coughs> EOS Cares, for example, and then EOS is collaborating with other projects like us or other organizations. So the point is to, and we have every month in Lund we have Lund's integration fair which is at EOS Care. So then we have like, uh, not only refugees, we have also other immigrants and also lots of international students coming and meeting the organizations directly. So, the, I mean, when, what I want to say is that when the municipality doesn't, um, let's say, uh, really find a way to organize the human resources, I mean, the, Mm. The effort that the civil society wants yes. to do. Mm. I, I, I know that in Sweden maybe it's not that uh, usual that the, the churches are doing something. I don't know. But maybe it's a moment, it's something that uh, they want to, they could do. I mean, mm. I mean, civil society is doing fantastic things. Yeah. And we can see that since 2015, especially with the big stream of, of yeah. immigrants coming to Sweden, that civil society is strong. Uh, but civil society has to, we have, we need uh, the politicians, we need the officials at the municipality to, to cooperate. Uh, otherwise, there will be obstacles. But if we could find a way to work together, to, that would be the best way. And we still have a lot of, of things to do there, I think. But we need to work together. We need each other. No, I think I think that is a very important uh, issue, I mean, sort of the whole issue of the, the local authorities and their engagement and, and their, I would almost say, obligation yeah. to to uh, let's say initiate, uh, take initiatives, engage, and yeah. say get well, civil society in itself. It's very rare, of course, if you have one big organization. I think one of you were from Red Cross, or I mean, yeah. they have normally the power. They could probably and the strength to, to do it, but. 
but it is the role of the municipality. So could you elaborate a bit more on, on what they have done or what they have not done and how they have reacted? I can say that throughout Europe, when we look at all the successful integration pro, uh, examples in housing, in uh, schools, etc., where it works is where municipalities or local communities take the lead, that they engage those that are concerned, the refugees, migrants, mm. whoever they are, mm. as well as the majority population. Mm. Then you have a likelihood mm. of success. Mm. No guarantees, but uh, but there is a likelihood that it will then work and mm. to yeah. save the community. Yeah. But if the uh, municipality just sit back and do yeah. this, Exactly. Mm. Well, that, mm. that is the situation is in Bellingham. That is the winning concept to make everyone uh, integrate and, and help each other. It's so much easier. Uh, but when you have someone who's kind of saying no all the time, it's um, well, nothing happens. It's only the mm. civilians doing mm. stuff. Yeah. I don't know if you would, could, would add something, Mika, you know more about the, the communication <coughs> with the municipality? Well, I think in Berlin they do the things they are forced to do by the government. Mm. <laughs> mm. And that's and it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and not, nothing else. Yeah. They should be like the oil in the machine. Mm. Yeah. They've been very I open. We have said to check the red cross. Yeah. Mm. They are quite strong. Yeah. But for example, they told us that the municipality. Uh, families taking in, as we did, Piros, that, well, you did that, there's nothing we can do. We cannot help you, just so you know. If something happens, uh, we cannot help you. If something happens? Yeah, well, you know, if, if we would need ask for money or, or if we mm. said, well, this doesn't work out uh, anymore, mm. could you please help us with and that so we could live in, in another family or somewhere mm. else? No. Because we did this yeah. on our own and mm. we don't have the municipality behind us in yeah. that action. And th this is part of the reason why we wanted to bring you here. Um, because it's, it makes it that much more challenging to do what you're doing in this environment. Um, mm. and, and hopefully it will make an impact down the road. Take a stab at <laughs> that. I guess it's what you feel when you're with us. Yeah. That's integration. If you feel that we avoid you or hostile in any way, then you're not. <laughs> but if you're all right, you are. Yeah. We don't want anyone to, to lose their identity. Uh, to say you're Russian, you, sh you should still be Russian. Uh, integration is more like we, we live together and in, in peace and we respect each other. 
respect you and you and you no matter what and and integration for me is more like okay you're in Sweden we have this kind of rules and no matter where you come from we have to adjust to that rule even if we go in somewhere else we have to adjust to that rules or a, a few culture things as well but you never lose the identity that that is what makes people so so uh, interesting and so Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A couple different questions here. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, my name is Tommy. Uh, originally from Afghanistan, but living in Belgium in Norway. But I'm in Sweden now in Luxembourg. We are working for a woman rights, refugee women rights in my NGO. But uh, as she said, uh, we are not happy with the word integration. We will not integrate me to be something else, someone else. Inclusion, include me in the system, include me in Sweden, include me as a woman. Integration was, more, in Norway we have changed that word now, but integration is more like what we hear from a lot of Swedish and Norwegian people and the rest of the European people that, yes, you know, here in Sweden we don't do like that. <laughs> here in Sweden we cannot do that. It's like, are you trying to learn me that I have to be Swedish or are you learning me to integrate me in the system? It's two different ways, but I, I really hope that we all think that we include people. We include mm-hmm. new women, we include new arrivals mm-hmm. in Sweden. Mm-hmm. And we all, as a citizen who have lived here more than three or five years, that have citizenship, that maybe are more in the Swedish society, so help, be willing to be willing to and help people to come in in the society. Because without helping each other, we cannot reach anywhere. And it will be more and more the races, it will be more and more that we don't understand each other. So I hope, I have said this, it was a comment to the inclusion. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, was it, is it more of like, uh, I'm an immigrant myself, I go to uh, my mom university up in Nepal. Uh, but is this word integration and this like inclusion, whatever we call it, do you think it's more harder for people who have this uh, a label that says asylum seeking or um, or refugees or something like that, or is it because yeah, that's that's something that I wonder. Is it because of that that they have that they're seeking asylum in a, some some new country is why it's such a big uh, issue to be included in the society. Or is it just because as an immigrant, I I, I didn't feel as much of uh, that uh, problems that everybody else is a refugee or an asylum seeker might feel. I think in, in terms of inclusion in the society. Do you have any thoughts? I I just think it's more us Swedes. We we are afraid of what we don't really know. <laughs> yeah, everybody is. But I I think that's why we talk about integration or including people or whatever word we should use it's more to me it's more like if you make people around you feel at ease that's the best thing wherever you are if if i know how to you know that how should i do this and uh, yes i i feel at ease in this specific situation uh, but i think it's it's very much from our point of view from our, from our perspective that we would like to, we say, well, I don't really understand that culture. It's 
it's different, it's difficult. And we, we build these walls instead of opening up. I don't know, that was no, no answer to your question. It's just... <laughs> I think it's uh, uh, quite a lot also uh, about the individual, how you act towards your people, even if you're Swedish or wherever you come from. So it's attitudes as well. Mm. And I'd like to say something about the attitude that Piro's taught us, because that's, I mean, this is, of course, so, there's so much positive in getting to know someone uh, and, and having someone in, into your family. Um, that he, Piros comes from, yes, another culture, and he asked us the first time when we invited our neighbors for dinner, he said, oh, I made so much food. Why don't you invite all the neighbors? <laughs> and you know, I had a hard time answering that. Yeah, why don't we? <laughs> we have a lot of food. It would be enough for everyone. And still, we just invited that neighbor that we, who we yeah. know. <laughs> don't extend it. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, but that was, I mean, yeah. that's our... So... It's it's so interesting and it's so positive. And mm. to, um, there's a bunch of questions. We're uh, running a bit short on time. Um, what? I think you had a question.
Time for one more, or maybe two. <laughs> uh, a really short comment. Uh, when we're talking about telling how it's seen in Sweden, mm-hmm. and that's also uh, we're talking about how the integration or assimilation or uh, inclusion words are working. And we're talking about very narrow terms, but uh, sometimes we, we forget how the word even seems, how the word sees Sweden, for example, from outside. I'm not very uh, far outside from the European Union itself. Uh, Germany and Sweden, the, the colleagues are there, right? I'm a post-doctor, I will be post-doctor for the 1st September uh, in Jerusalem. Um, how my colleagues from, for example, Eastern, Eastern Europe have been reacting to Sweden about the news that Sweden is ready to uh, have a quota of up to 2% of, if I'm not mistaken, 2% of population uh, inviting the immigra- immigration to that share of immigration to Europe. <coughs> the words like insane and it's the end per use in the conversation. We've educated people from universities, etc. And that's Eastern European countries. Mm-hmm. And Southern mm-hmm. European countries were harsher harsh in the words mm-hmm. as well. So the and the origins of that, as I can make it even to the links in the global sense, like media portrays it. Migrant crisis, how many times have you heard that? Migrant crisis in Europe, in mass media, mm-hmm. in social media. How many times do you see those words? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do, do, you think, do you think that's that, that doesn't impact the people yeah. in, in general? I mean, Berlin, Berlin, Berlin yeah, is, um, is a stark example uh, of the, in, inside the Sweden, but you go just a little bit farther, and that's the whole Sweden that is in a study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But on the different terms. Sorry. Yeah, okay.
Thank you. Thank you for all your comments. We, we, uh, I'm sorry, we have to wrap it up. Um, Morten, do you want to say some closing remarks? Yeah, just uh, I think it's been fascinating uh, both uh, Ulf's uh, presentation of, of setting that frame and uh, now this uh, uh, dialogue uh, exchange and thanks a lot for opening the window into uh, to Belling and thereabout and, and some of the challenges at the, at the very local level because uh, as we all know from the human rights field the human rights is, is not relevant in Belling I mean they're rel- irrelevant everywhere I mean they're not relevant anywhere so, so that is uh, the issue and that's why it's so important to sort of say see how are these uh, basic concepts in the human rights are actually unfolded uh, in reality and how can that uh, be done better and also I would say thanks to you for opening that discussion on on what is it that we're integrating into and I think it's something we should make another panel about because it's so easy to ask people to be integrated uh, but yeah but into what uh, what is it that when is it that I become a Swede a Dane or whatever it's almost and these days it's almost becoming impossible sort of just very shortly the journey of, of the language was that you had assimilation for law but that was a ah, we, we cannot ask people to assimilate like you described so then the word integration sort of came up in the 1970s 80s and that was sort of not assimilation but it was something else so a bit more open uh, but after a while, it basically became synonymous with assimilation. So it's very difficult to so say, understand assimilation and integration as not being the same. Then, of course, the language of the multicultural society came and was sort of one of the visions of the society, the multicultural society. That was killed uh, up to the zeros, late 1990s, beginning of the zeros, uh, for good and bad reasons. Uh, it was severely attacked. And one of the sort of the good reasons was that it sort of opened up for I can always draw my culture card. So if there's something female circumcision or child marriages or whatever, this is my religion or this is my culture. So and that was I mean unfairly then used to basically do away with the multicultural uh, society as a vision, as something we wanted to strive for. And then we were lost for quite some time. Uh, in Europe uh, without a vision and it's only let's say the last five, seven, eight years uh, where in particular coming out of the European Union uh, there's now the talk about the inclusive society but not the inclusive society sort of like the multicultural society but the inclusive society within a fundamental rights or human rights framework so you put that limit say okay it cannot be totally without values. A little bit like you said, mm. the we need, so to say, to adhere to the same laws. I mean, this is where we are. And if we talk in a bit bigger setting, we have to agree on the human rights dimensions. If we cannot agree on that, then we start having a problem uh, in our community. So therefore, at the moment at least, the vision is the inclusive society, the open, there's an openness, there's space, but there are also some limits. The limits that we should agree on uh, is our human human rights as they agreed upon as universal standards. These are not our values, which we often see in the Swedish and the European uh, discourse. Uh, that these are our values and you have your values. No, I mean these are universal values. I mean that's what we teach any law student day one in 
uh, on human rights is that it's universal language. So let's take that out. So with that, great, great uh, afternoon. Thanks a lot. And uh, I think the next meeting we should do in the gymnastic hall in Evelling. That was a live recording from a recent event where we spoke with Marie Clarias and Pernilla Thelmark about the young asylum seekers they were helping where they live. On Human Rights is broadcast from the Rao Wallenberg Institute of Human Rights and Humanitarian Law in Lund, Sweden. I'm Gabriel Stein. Thanks for listening. Until next time.